Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast on the Class today is sponsored by Jack Harari in honor of his son, David Harari, on his bar mitzvah, fourth day of Hanukkah. May he grow in Torah and Masim Tovim for the pride of his parents, Jack and Tuni Harari, and his grandparents, Raymond and Emilia Harari, and Sarah Khafif Hidri. Hazaku Baruch, Mabruk and Mazaltov. Breakfast in the class is also dedicated in thanks to the esteemed rabbis and their staff for taking care of us with their wisdom, guidance, and patience. May they go from strength to strength in bringing or keeping our community values and Jewish values and faith strong and unwavering, sponsored by the Mafar family. Hazaku Baruch Rabotai. Okay. So, first of all, I just want to start by saying, every year, when it comes to the fourth night of Chanukah, I'm always struck I have a little bit of a problem. And what's my problem? The problem is you look at the menorah, and all of a sudden, before you blinked, and half the menorah is gone. Does anyone else have that feeling? Yeah? Half the menorah, chalas, it's done. We only have the other half now, but starting already tonight, is already, hayyom, hamisha yamim, right? That's it, chalas. To buy tonight, we're going to be, uh, we'll be lighting five candles, and soon uh, we'll have missed it. So it always gives and renews in me a, a feeling of urgency to do, out, to do out my very best to try and get and glean from Chanukah the important messages that we can. So, Rabbi let's begin. <clears throat> Our rabbis teach us that although the uh, aim and the mission of the Greeks was only in order specifically to uh, wipe out the, uh, the Ruhaniyut of the Jewish people, the idea was to destroy and to obliterate any connection that the Jewish people had to their God. That's what their intention was, okay? But what's interesting is, although they outlawed learning Torah, they say, I, I read this the other day, what an unbelievable full circle we have. You know, after everything that happened in Chanukah thousands of years ago, today here we are in New York City, you're having a Chanukah party with more than 10 people, you're spinning your dreidels, and all of a sudden, Governor Cuomo's looking in the window, and somebody shouts out, quick, get the Gemarot! So now we're hiding the dreidel playing with the Gemarot, so it's a religious uh, gathering. Okay, so we've come full circle from the story of Chanukah. But um, what's amazing about this is that they outlaw learning Torah. And then, he doesn't want you to do any mitzvot, correct? That's what the Greeks wanted at the time. And yet, the Gemara tells us that they abolished and they made decrees against Rosh Chodesh, against Shabbat, and against Brit Milah. Now, this always struck me. Strange thing. You want to wipe out the Torah, so tell me you can't learn, fine. Then that should be enough, right? You would imagine. No, it's not enough. We need to get rid of the mitzvot too. Okay, fine. Now they go pick three mitzvot, no Shabbat, no Rosh Chodesh, you know. I always wondered if the king had an advisor, if the king, after he makes the big announcement, by an order, you know, order by order of the king, three mitzvot are wiped out. I just imagine the, the, the advisors to the king doing the stage. He's like, Your Majesty, <laughs> they have another 610. The guy is sitting there, he's writing the scribe. He's like, Hadja, let's just leave it at three. What, what happened to the other 610 mitzvot? Did this not bother anybody? No? Tefillin, they don't have a problem with? Talit, no problem. You're building ma'akeh, no problem. Mizuzah, no problem. Shabbat's the problem. Rosh Chodesh is the problem. Brit Milah is the problem. Strange, right? And I understood from, uh, from this Gemara, from this idea, 
that the concept and the mitzvah of Rosh Chodesh, of Shabbat, and of, uh, uh, of Brit Milah carry within it the secret source to eradicating everything else. So there must be something special, something seminal, something essential about each of these mitzvot that they carry within them the key to everything else. Rabotai, let's begin uh, with, these, with, with, with each of these mitzvot and understand that in the same way that the omission of these three mitzvot causes a person to not have any mitzvot, also the uh, focus and the kavanah in doing these three mitzvot correctly, that brings the person all the rest of the mitzvot as well. So let's take a look at what these three mitzvot stand for. Let's begin with uh, the, the mitzvah of Rosh Chodesh. We know that the Torah, when commanding us about Rosh Chodesh, it begins and says, and the Jewish people are leaving Egypt, HaChodesh Hazeh Lachem. This month is for you, Rosh Chodeshim, uh, you know, ahead of the month, this is how you do it, etc., etc. Our rabbis tell us that the secret of Rosh Chodesh is not just that you look at the moon and you say, oh, here's a new moon, but rather that HaChodesh Hazeh Lachem, it's spelled in the way Hechadash. Now, we understand as Jews that we like to be very efficient. We like to do things uh, 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 in a a clear manner, in a way where it's not going to be, need to be fixing it all the time. We like to deal with things on on an essential level. The problem is, as a Jew, we live with something called a lunar calendar, right? Our months are marked by the moon. The nature of that calendar, choosing to use the lunar calendar, by definition, means that your calendar will always be in flux. You're constantly going to need to be adjusting your calendar. Why? Because the lunar year is 354 days. The solar year is 365 days. So if the seasons follow the solar year, that means that each and every year, you're going to start falling behind 11 days. After three years, indeed, what do we need? We need a leap year. Did it ever bother you? Why do we follow the lunar calendar then? Just stick with the solar calendar. You, you need to make tiny adjustments every God knows how many years. And the answer, Rabotai, is that there's something crucial about marking time by the moon. The word, the heat, the secret to this is in the word itself, in the word for Chodesh, which means a month. Why did we need a measure of time called a month. You have a year, that's really enough. The answer is that having a constant and consistent cycle of months allows a person to always renew themselves, to renew their commitment, to see where they're up to. And that's why the root of the word Chodesh and the way it's written in the Torah is HaChadash or HaChodesh. Again, without the Vav. So the word HaChodesh institutes it signifies that the Jewish people are tied to and require an element of renewal and newness that without that you just don't have. You don't have Torah. You don't have mitzvot. So God says when the Jewish people are leaving Egypt, before anything, the first mitzvah, He commands the Jewish people, the first mitzvah is, HaChodesh HaZelachem. Why? Rabotai, if you come to shul and you eventually pray, 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 sometimes you get better and better and better at the praying. But there's a problem when you get better at praying, when you don't need the book, 
when you know it by heart. The problem is that you read it by heart. If you do not have within your life something which brings a feeling of newness, of renewal in your Judaism, your Judaism is as good as dead. Why? Because your Shabbat, beautiful. Wow, the Kiddush, the family, the meals, amazing. Everything's wonderful. And then what happens? And it's the second week, and the third week, and the fourth week, and the fifth week. Eventually, you get bored. Rabotai, the nature of human beings dictates that if it's not new, it does not occupy space in your mind. I want to share with you how powerful this idea is. Today, we have uh, a world of science which focuses only on the brain. Neuroscientists focus only on the way the brain processes information. One of the things it's really interesting to note is that there are two parts of the brain a part of the brain which focuses the prefrontal cortex focuses and a part of the brain which automates so as an example when you're first learning how to drive your hands are at 10 and 2 you're focused on the road you're looking this mirror that mirror this mirror that mirror this mirror that mirror that mirror this mirror there that you know and then after you looked at the mirror 74 times what do you do you look over your shoulder <laughs> Right. This is the nature of a new driver. An old driver, you're so used to driving, you don't even check anymore. You're driving with one hand, you're turning the wheel like this. You're looking at your mirrors when you're feeling uh, you know, in a generous mood. Right? Everything happens, it's automated. To the point where you're not even aware of what's going on. You're driving by pure habit. Now driving might not be such a problem to drive by pure habit. But think about a relationship. Think about going through the motions with your wife, with your children, where you're present as much as you need to be, but as much as you can, you're on autopilot. You're not actually really even there, even though you're engaging. You're saying hello, you could be asking him even about his day at school, but you don't actually mean it. There's no emotion, there's no investment. If you do not have newness, not just Judaism, everything, it just dies. So it's important to be able to bring something new to anything that is important to you. And that can be as simple as changing a routine. It can be as simple on Friday night in our house. We try and use every, every Friday night for Kiddush. We use different tunes. Why? So just to set the tone of the Shabbat table, that this table is not the same table as you were at last week and the week before and the week before and the week before and the week before. Newness, Rabotai, is the spice of relationships. It's the spice of life. And therefore, the Yivanim understood they didn't need to fight 613 battles. One of the most important battles they could fight was the feeling of having something new. Rabotai, let's move on. So the first secret to having a beautiful, powerful, enduring relationship with Judaism is a focused effort to keep things new. The second mitzvah that the Greeks attacked, Rabotai. The second mitzvah was the mitzvah of Brit Milah. And I think that this is a very important uh, mitzvah to understand. This mitzvah is the covenant. What is a Brit Milah? HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Avraham Avinu, wow, you're doing all the mitzvot. Amazing. So you know what, why don't we make a deal? You know what we'll make a deal? You have a Brit Milah on the eighth day, okay? On the eighth day you come, you cut a little piece off of the manhood of the child, you know, a little bit. And, and uh, what's it called? And through the process of the of, uh, of Brit Milah, you and I are going to have a covenant for you and your children and all your children after you, etc., etc., etc. The question is, what is it that w was being communicated 
by the process of Brit Milah that wasn't there with all the other mitzvot. Now, what do we know about Avraham Avinu? Ki yedativ, the Pasuk says, I know him. He's going to command his children, his grandchildren, he's going to teach them everything to do according to my ways. Why doesn't God say, let's have a covenant. You do my mitzvot, and I'll be here for you. Like Yaakov says, I'll keep all the mitzvot, and you will be for me for, for a God. Why does Hashem need to come up with another mitzvah? You know what it's like? A guy goes in to the boss. He says, boss, I really would like a raise. The guy says, okay, are you filing uh, the spreadsheets on time? Like I asked you? Yes. Okay, are you, uh, you getting us new accounts? Yes, I'm getting new accounts. Are you uh, conscientious in making sure that, uh, you know, we're c c complying with, uh, you know, tax law? Absolutely. Yeah, covered. You know, are you inspiring your team, you know, to get new accounts? Yes, I'm inspiring. Everything that you could want me to do, fine. The guy says, okay, I'm ready to give you a raise. You're killing it. You're knocking it out the park. Amazing. I'll give you the, but I want you from now on to bring coffee every day to the office. And then the when? The idea of the raise is that the guy's doing the job correctly. Akadosh Baruch Hu is looking for someone in this world to do the job right. Avraham is doing the job right. By the way, even at great personal risk, he gets thrown in the furnace of fire. All this happens, right? Before the story of Brit Milah. And after everything, and after proving himself, that's the point, after proving himself, God says, you know what? I'm happy to enter into this business deal with you. But you know what? I need this little piece of flesh. And if I have that, then we could go forward. What is that? Rabutai, the answer is that the nature of a Brit Milah is the ability of a human being to say to God, I am willing to give up some of my desire, some of my temptation for you. You know, the source of a man's uh, pleasure is located in his manhood. It's the most nerve endings of the human body. Where is it most located? At the top of his manhood. So in that space, in the place of the highest, of the excess, God says, here, just skip. Literally, think about what happens in a brief minute. Pull it back a little. That's literally what happens. The foreskin is pulled back. Abraham is told by God, I love that you love me. I love that everything is going great. I love it. But you, Abraham, you're not indicative of every Jew forever and ever. You love to love me. But some Jews, they, oh yeah, I gotta go to shul. You see guys, they don't miss anything. But it's just that this, you know, cynical, negative attitude that they have. Rabotai, that cannot last. If a person doesn't feel a desire, a willingness, a happiness to be able to give up some things that he enjoys, to be able to pull back, to hit the brakes, then it's never going to last. So question number two that the Greeks were focusing on, number one was to keep things new. The second thing the Greeks understood, if you eliminate that, you destroy Judaism, is fadal. Come to us, they said. But come, come with excess. I want you to come to the Shabbat table with the nicest, fanciest, gaudiest cup. I want you to have the best meat on Yom Tov. I want you to have a couch, you know, that you sit on when you pray, you know, made by the best couch company in Italy. Uh, they were asking the Jewish people to live a life of wild and reckless abandon. But the Jew understands that it is in his ability to hold back, to have boundaries, to restrict him or herself, 
that Judaism actually flourishes. In fact, one of my rabbis, Chidushim, stays with me till this day. When the Jewish people were ready to accept the Torah, it says that God went to every nation on earth and He asked them if they also want uh, the Torah, correct? He asked the Bnei Ishmael, He said, do you want the Torah? And they said, Ma ketiv be. What does it say in it? And God said to each nation, He told them the thing that was their greatest challenge. So He told Yishmael, the Yishmaelites, they were at the time, they were a desert marauders. He said, you want to go and hold up caravans in the desert? Can't steal, says that in my Torah. They said, forget it, wow, you know. He goes to the Bnei, sorry, he goes to the Bnei Esav. You know, they were the warriors. They say, what does it say? You want it, the Torah? What does it say in the Torah? It says you can't kill. What do you mean can't kill? We, that's who we are. We are the Prussian army. This is, you know, what we do. This is what we do for a living. You can't tell me not to do that. Every nation was told the thing that they found to be most difficult, okay? But when God says to the Jewish people, do you want the Torah? What do they say? Why doesn't God say to the Jewish people, you know the price of the Torah? Avi, you know what God should say to the Jewish people? The price of the Torah is, you're never allowed to bargain. Price of the Torah is, not allowed to complain. Right? These are things that if Hashem would have said this to the Jewish people. The price of the Torah is, no sauerkraut. I don't know what Hashem would have said. Bagels and cream cheese, not a thing, all right? Whatever, he should, he should have said something to us that was very difficult for us to do, correct? My rabbi says he did say something, but you might have missed it. Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu, go tell the Jewish people, right? Listen to this. Hashem tells the Jewish people, he says, Moshe, tell them, Hagbel etahar, cordon off, with fences, the mountain. Tell every one of the Jewish people that not one of them is allowed to go on the mountain of Har Sinai. You try telling a Jew where he can't go. <laughs> Next thing you know, there's fences, the Jewish guy has VIP seats. He has a pass. His grandmother's running the show. We already got a There's no, you try to keep a Jewish person out of something, right? Now, there's many layers to this understanding. And again, we don't have to go into each layer of understanding of what was going on over here. One layer is that you're telling a Jewish person that there's a place, not just a place he can't go, Ya'ani, at a concert backstage, but that in holiness, there'll be someone who's holier than him, whose opinion he'll have to respect. We love to argue, right? But when it comes to Moshe Rabbeinu, we know he was Adon HaNevi'im. However good your sivara is, however good you think you learned in yeshiva, you know, you think you got it, okay? If Moshe says it, you can't, you, there's no, you can't go up the mountain. You're stuck on the plane, Yani, okay? So what my rabbi was teaching with that line, again, there's a lot of things to unpack there, but I think was also this concept. The idea of, of, uh, of uh, brit milah is the ability to hold back, to... Uh, to live boundaried lifestyles. You know, I, I know, it's a funny thing, you know, in the world today, if I ever tell people that my kid's Jewish school is telling us that we shouldn't give them phones until, you know, someone told me, Rabbi, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling as to whether or not to give my son a phone. I said, oh, how old is he? He said, six. I said, six, he needs a phone? Six? <laughs> what? What is, what, what's the problem? He has many animals that need crossing, so if he doesn't have the phone, he can't play the game. What, what's the, 
What is the problem here? That at six years old, right, he's going to fall behind on his social media account, right? He's six years old. He's six years old. What's the answer? Rabbi, you don't understand the pressure, the kids' friends, his this, his that. And I said, look, I understand as much as the next guy. But you got to know when you put your foot down. When are you going to say no? Saying no, being able to hold back when you want something is crucial. Where the mountain is cordoned off, you can't go here. Do not enter. There's things that are do not enter. And if that's the case, Rabbi Wutai, the Egyptians, was, the Greeks were saying to the Jewish people, like, our lives are free, no clothes. You see all the Greek statues. No clothes, glorify everything. You know, orgies, you know, everything is mutar. Let, you want to live your religion? Fine. But live it in a way where there's nothing that holds you back. And Rabotai, we understand that as human beings, the job of being a human is about holding back. It's holding your tongue when, when uh, you really should say nothing. It's holding your tongue when you shouldn't speak Lashon Hara. It's holding back where a business deal, you know you'll make a lot of money if you invest, but you know it's not kosher, right? You know that this person will satisfy a lot of your desires in a relationship. But they're just going to be, they're not going to be a wife or a husband that raises you up, that challenges you, that inspires you. You know, and if you got to know when and how to be able to say no. That's the second thing. The third thing is, Rabbi Utai, is, uh, uh, is Shabbat. And what is Shabbat? Shabbat, Rabbi Utai, is the ability, as we know, what is the power, the essence of Shabbat? Is to accept a person a person's self as they are. Rabotai, I cannot understate, I cannot overstate the importance of this concept. You know, everyone talks about Shabbat with regards to the things that you cannot do. You can't do this, you can't do this. 39 categories, it's not 39 things you can't do. It's 39 categories of things that you can't do. You know, subsection 8, amendment 74, right? There's a trillion and one things that you can't do on Shabbat. But it would be a huge mistake to think about Shabbat in terms of what you cannot do. And I always use this point to bring it out. People talk about how on Shabbat you're not allowed to do work. Right? But that's not actually true. There's a lot of things which are very strenuous that you can do on Shabbat, halakhically. If you want to move your couch from one side of the living room to the other side of the living room, because you're married to a woman, and that's a thing that they like to do, right? No man is ever rearranging furniture. Like, there's a couch in my house, my abo goes on it, then it's in the right place, right? Well, I don't know, why would it need to be over there? What is the reason? Okay, fine. So, what's the story in this case? Well, you know, the guy wants to move, his wife wants to move the first, no problem, allowed to move it. But I sweating, doesn't matter. But to flick a switch, asur. This is work, and that's not work. How? The concept of milacha on Shabbat is not work. On Shabbat, what we're not allowed to do is create. That's what we're not allowed to do. We're not allowed to make something new. And the idea behind that is that a person should be able to come to Shabbat and say that the world as it is needs no changing. I don't need to bring something new into my world in order to be able to exist and to, be, and to exist joyfully. So you know what? I have what I need. I am what I need to be. That is the ultimate uh, essence of minucha, of resting. Now the irony is, like I said earlier, the same way it's not work which is asur on Shabbat, 
It also means that to rest properly on Shabbat, you might need to do a fair amount of internal work. Because how many people can do this? Walk into Shabbat and their job is in ruins. It's okay. For these 25 hours, I'm not making any phone calls. I'm not sitting next to that guy in shul and saying, "No, Nishta, the J-dubs the, the J have a, a fantastic line. Ashkenazim have a great line. I shouldn't call them J-dubs. I once heard that it's a derogatory term. But uh, I'm not sure, but I heard that, so I don't want to say it. Uh, so, uh, stenographer, could you delete that from the record? Okay. Now, it's amazing. They have a great line. Uh, do we have a fellow brother with us? You know how you say in Shabbat? What do we say? Nisht of Shabbos Geret. You know what that means? Not to speak of it on Shabbos. But. It's always followed with the word, but. Not to speak of it on Shabbos. But. Did you sell you a motorcycle? You know, because me and my buddies were going up the north and I, I would, you know, if you could give me a, cut me a good deal. You know, I don't want to talk about it on Shabbat. You're not supposed to talk about it on Shabbat. But if I was, you know, to say that I had 500 chalas, would 500 chalas be the right amount of chalas? You understand? Shabbat, Rabbutai, I've heard this numerous times in shul, people talk about how many chalas. Chalas, 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 chalas. You ever heard this before? You heard this? Amazing. I said Shabbat is gluten-free, Rabbutai. Calm down with the chalas, right? Don't, you don't need to talk about it. On Shabbat, I have to think to myself, I don't need to acquire, I don't need to arrange, I don't need to finesse, I don't need to do anything. I am exactly where I need to be. Rabotai, the Greeks, the Yevanim, understood that on one level, a person, a Jew, needs to be new. On another level, they need, as we said, Brit Milah, they need to be able to say no. But on the third level, what does a Jew need in order to be able uh, uh, to, uh, to grow and to thrive? He needs now. So we have new, we have no, and we have now. I'm just use that mnemonic so you're able to remember this concept. The ability to be right here, to not need anything else, to accept it. If a person can accept I don't need anything other than what I have and other than what I am, that is the greatest acceptance of the fact that God is the creator of the world. That's how Shabbat reminds me that God created the world. Because if I can accept where I am, it means that there's someone in charge. There's someone guiding and there's someone managing my life. May we be zocheh be'ezrat Hashem. To experience new. To experience no. And to experience now. Baruch Adonai Amen Amen. Rabbi